Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Say, I choose. choose. Say it again, I I choose. Today I want to talk about this idea of choices. And more specifically today, it would be I choose purpose over popularity. Say purpose over popularity. And you know, our life choices really matter, don't they? I was looking up the definition here of these words. Uh, The word purpose, this is the definition. It's the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. That's really cool, isn't it? Like, when you think of life purpose, what is my purpose? It's saying, what is the reason that, that I've been created? What is the reason that I exist? Now, the word popularity, that means the state or condition of being liked, admired, or supported by many people. Now, how many like to be liked? How many like to get likes on their social media? Makes you feel good. How many go on there like every five minutes to see how many people liked your picture? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Sometimes we we live off that, right? I'm living off the like. That's a new saying I just made up right here, right now. Living off the like. But you know, I think it's okay to want to be liked. Uh, Relationship is important. I mean, that's, that's really... I believe we're born for relationship, we're born to be loved, and it's this, this relational uh, thing in life that brings fulfillment to our lives. But how many know that being popular sometimes is opposite of following or choosing your purpose in life, right? We've all been there. And although many of us may have matured past this idea, I still think that we all in many ways come to this fork in the road, every one of us, we come to this fork in the road We have to choose between purpose or popularity. And think about this, depending on who you hang with, you know, who your friends are, who you work with, really who you're around, what's popular or accepted can be completely different, right? I think about as a teenager in my own life, and even someone in their early 20s, I really would gauge my life a lot off what was the popular thing to do. Right, depending on the scenario I was in or the group of people that I was with, it would change maybe my purpose, even though it shouldn't. And so I would go with this popularity thing. Now, I know, you know, in the past maybe we've heard these messages and and we're thinking from maybe a religious perspective. We're thinking from this idea of, okay, well, don't do the popular thing, do the kingdom God thing. And I agree with that. I completely agree with that. But, you know, sometimes I think what we do is we trade in our purpose for popularity. And we need to be careful with that. You know, something that you said, Pete, this just came back to me. When he said, you know, spending time within the four walls of a building, because we know that we're the church, right? This isn't the church. And I get it when people say, hey, I'm going to church. Oh, you are the church. But but we understand what they're saying. But, But staying within the four walls of a building or outside doesn't make you a Christian. Now, think about this. What does the word Christian mean? Christ-like. And I, I love, I heard this, this, I can't remember who it was, but it was on a podcast I was listening to or something. And he says, he has this whole new response. And I've kind of adopted this response as my own. But when somebody comes up to you, or if you're in conversation and they say, uh, are you a Christian? What they're saying is, are you Christ-like? You know what his response is? He says, I don't know. Why don't you hang with me for a while and then you tell me. He says, we shouldn't be the ones to call ourselves Christ-like or Christians. Others should be the ones to be able to do that. Because there's a lot of people who have prayed prayers and they go to buildings like this on a Sunday morning, but 
I mean, let's be honest. Even in my own life, I'm like, wow, that wasn't very Christ-like. That wasn't very Jesus-following. And so in this idea of choosing you know, your purpose over popularity, we can kind of fall into this, this idea. But I made this point here. When we live on purpose, or we could say in purpose, purpose drives our decisions. When you choose purpose over popularity, because whatever side you choose is going to drive your decisions. But I think it's so much better, it's so much more fulfilling when we allow purpose to drive our decisions. You know, what we say yes to or what we say no to. I was thinking about this story. How many know what tetherball is? You ever play tetherball? Oh, man, I was a tetherball champion in the schoolyard in my day. Tetherball is basically, I, there's a picture of it here, but it's this, this metal pole. Uh, it's about 7 to 10 foot tall is the average. And it's usually cemented into the ground or in a parking lot. And then attached to the top of this 7 to 10 foot pole is about a 6 foot rope. And then attached at the other end of this rope is a tetherball. And the, the goal of this game is to hit the tetherball past your opponent enough times that it will wrap completely around the pole until the ball, the tetherball, touches the pole. You been there? Done that? So, you know, I was the champion at this, man. I would just get up there and I would just wail on this bomb like, Ugh, and they'd be like, you're hitting it too hard. I'm like, whatever. I'm just hitting it and hitting it. Well, I, this one day in the schoolyard, I was the king of tetherball. Well, this one day, this kid comes up, he goes, hey, let's play tetherball. I'm like, yeah, let's do this, man. What's up? So I hit the tetherball and it passes him once and it comes by again. And all of a sudden his hand goes up and he connects with it. He hits it back. It literally goes around two times. I'm like, whoa, what, what's going on? I hit it again, and he's hitting it. And this, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? Oh, my God, what's going on? What am I going to do here? And he's hitting back and forth, back and forth. I got so caught up in this because I did not want to lose the tetherball game. He starts wailing this ball. I'm trying to wail back, and I kind of lose my footing. And as I do, I go forward to swing. And instead of my hand hitting the tetherball, my face hits the tetherball hard. Hits it so hard, my nose begins to bleed. I'm just stunned. And before I know it, that thing's wrapped all the way around, and he's won. And I'm like, no, that's not fair. Uh, time. And he goes, it's too late. I won. Just totally rocked my world. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I cannot believe. It wasn't a big deal. I mean, I was like, what, eight or nine? But to me, my world was crushed because I lost tetherball. But, you know, I think about this idea of this game tetherball. And the ball itself is tethered to this post. It, it, there's only a certain range that the ball can move. There's only so far that the ball can move from this post. But think about the tether ball in the game. The, the tether ball has a purpose. And that purpose is to stay anchored to the pole in which it is tied to, Right? I mean, the whole purpose of the ball, the ball isn't trying to help one person or the other. The ball's just like, look, I'm just hanging around, no pun intended. I'm just hanging out here. I, I'm just on this rope, and I can only go so far, and I can only go so far in. But the whole purpose of the tether ball is to stay tethered to the pole. Now, the word tether, one definition, definition is this. It's a line as of rope or chain by which an animal is fastened so as to restrict its range of movement. Now, tethering goes way back, because they're talking about tethering animals. How many have walked their dog? You put them on a chain, you're tethering your dog, right? Actually, most people, their dogs walk them. Have you noticed that? Like, we're going to walk our dog, and it's like this. I'm like, that dog's going to get away from you. You ever seen a dog that's like this big, and the person's this big? You're like, this isn't going to go well, right? But this idea of tethering, it's keeping something 
by a rope or chain restricted to its range of movement. But look at this second definition. A line to which someone or something is attached as for security. Now I think about this idea of tethering. And I think about us, when we make that choice toward purpose, we're deciding to tether to our purpose. We're saying that that purpose is like the pole that's cemented in the ground because that's who God says we are. And we're choosing to tether to that purpose. And you know what happens? Purpose brings security. There's security. If, you're, if you often wonder, am I okay? Do I measure up? Who, who am I? When you allow Holy Spirit to show you who you are, what your purpose is, when you tether to that, it brings security in your life. Does that make sense? In fact, in the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, verse, or chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, and then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. But listen to this. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. Now, I think it's important that we have goals in life, that we have a vision in life. And not only do we keep a vision for life in front of us, reminding us of our purpose, keeping us tethered to that purpose, which brings us security. The apostle Peter reminds us of who we are in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. He says, but you are the ones chosen by God. Say, I'm chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. Say, holy people. Sometimes we see that and we think holy means that, you know, you're acting right all the time. I'll raise both hands and say, I don't act right all the time. The word holy here means to be set apart. It means you're, you're set apart for something different. You know, often when, when the apostles and when Jesus and when the scriptures are telling us about staying away from the world, they're not saying stay away from people. See, sometimes we've got that turned around, and so we think, well, I, I can't be around that person because they don't agree with me, or uh, they don't even think God exists. Or, well, man, what better person to be in their life to show the light and the love of God to them? without preaching down their throat. Just show people love sometimes. They're like, why do you love me so much? Say, I can't help it. I'm attached to my father, the source. This is just who I am. I've discovered my true identity. What does that mean? And then through relationship and friendship, you start to cultivate this relationship where now you can speak in their life. But this idea of being holy is not being perfect. It's saying I'm set apart to be different than what the world system says, a system that's built on hatred and anger and war and greed and retribution. We have a kingdom that, that actually we don't just live out of, it lives out of us. Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. In fact, it's in you. Say it's in me. So this kingdom built on righteousness, which is right relationship, peace and joy. You have the fruit of the spirit, now the fruit of you. Fruit of the Spirit that God causes to grow, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's these things that are in there. And then you are prepared. I'm getting ahead of myself for good works. They're already in there. And so it's awakening to your true identity. It's saying, wow, this is who I am. That person isn't who I am. And so he says, you're chosen to be a holy or set-apart people. God's instruments to do his work, and look at this, and speak out for him. Sometimes the only God that people experience is through you and me. So what God are people experiencing? Is it some angry God who can't stand that person? 
Is it a God who says, yeah, you don't measure up, but if you, I mean, I've been guilty of that. Or is it a God who says, I love you, I care for you? Sure, you're lost. You've lost your identity, but you're made in my image and likeness. So awaken to that, and guess what? When you awaken to that, those actions begin to change because you live out of who you truly are. He says, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Now, something I want to key in on here is that the rejection is never from God. You hear me this morning? When he says you've gone from rejected to accepted, this rejection is never from God. The rejection, though, can be from others. Come on. Anyone been rejected before? It can just be from life and circumstances and things that happen in life. These things reject us, but God never, ever rejects you. Jesus promised to never leave you, never forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you. And the Holy Spirit is there to convict. That word actually means to convince you of your righteousness. This is who you are. I mean, it's simple, but yet it's not because we have all these different stories and all these different things coming at us all the time, me included, just because I have the pastor title on my name doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not susceptible to these things. There's days I wake up and I mean, I'll even text my wife and go, man, I'm just dealing with depression today. I'm, I'm dealing with just not knowing what to do next today. I, man, I just don't, I have those days. And I love when I have those days and she doesn't because she can encourage me and vice versa. That's why relationships are important. Because the Holy Spirit is always reminding us of who we are and whose we are. But sometimes we just can't hear it through all the voices. The voices are just too loud. We can't hear that still, small voice. And I think that's when good friendships and good relationships come into play. So he's always accepting us, which I, be, I believe it brings security to our lives. So when you tether to your purpose, it brings a security that we all need. I think again about this tetherball. The, the tetherball can never go past a certain point, right? I mean, if it's a six-foot rope, it's not going past six feet. Unless you, it's very rare, but if you hit it so hard and it's an old rope and you just knock it off the rope. But for the most part, right? This ball is not going to go past however many feet uh, the rope is. But I was thinking about this today. Think about when you hit the tetherball, what happens? It's not a trick question. It swings around, and what begins to happen to it? Huh? It gets shorter. Uh-huh. It gets closer to what? This hit me this morning. So when you get knocked around in life, when things are coming your way, don't dismay because it just knocks you closer and closer to your purpose. Say, so, you know what? This isn't from God. I, I know that God isn't doing this to me and man, I'm really going through it right now. But just say, you know what? This means I'm getting closer to my purpose because sometimes it's easier when we choose the way of popularity. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I, we've all done it, but you know, I'm not going to choose my purpose because within this crowd of people, I think if I just go with the popular thing right now, if I just become a chameleon right now and just go along with what they're saying, but what if in your heart of hearts, it's like, no, what they're saying is wrong. What they're doing is wrong. And I'm not talking just about sin. I mean, you ever, you know, I remember there was a time in my life where I'd be with a group of people and they would tell a racist joke and I would laugh. I wouldn't think twice about it. They would tell a gay joke. I would laugh, wouldn't think twice about it. But see, I've come to a point in my life where I matured to the point 
where when I hear a racist joke or I hear a gay joke, it makes me mad. It, it literally angers me because you're talking about real people. Real people just like you who go through the same issues in life, the same desires, the same dreams, the same goals, the same hurts. Does this make sense? But there was a time where I began to feel that, but I wouldn't speak out because the popular thing to do was to just say nothing. But silence is acquiescence. It's a legal term. When you're silent, you literally are agreeing with what's being said. So we have to come to this point. Am I going to take the popular route right here? Or am I going to stand against social injustice? Am I going to stand against things that aren't right? Is this making sense? I'm getting a little personal this morning, but I want us to, to see that it's not always like, you know, I was hanging out the other day and all these dudes were, you know, getting drunk. and they're, No, no. Sometimes it's just small little things, little nuances of, like I said, racism or being, you know, homophobic or whatever it could be. We need to say, hey, hey, hey. And I'm at this point now, we're like, hey, I don't need to hear that. That's not funny. I have friends who are gay. I have friends who are black and brown and all these shades. I said it before, when people try to accuse me of being white, I'm like, all I got to do is hold a sheet of paper up against my face. I'm like, do I look white to you? We're all shades of brown, right? And so sometimes it's not easy, but we have to choose purpose over popularity. We have to say, God, I'm choosing your purpose for my life. I'm choosing to go the kingdom way. You know, Jesus, when he walked this earth, he was just this full display of love. He was showing us who God was. Hebrews says he was the exact representation of God. If you want to know what God looks like, look to Jesus. And Jesus hung with the downcast and the outcast and those who were told, you don't measure up. You're not good enough. He hung out with the Samaritan people. Do you know the amount of racism that was going on between Israel and Samaria? But he hung out with them and he showed them their goodness. He showed them their worth because according to God, in his mind, I guess we could say his mind, there's no difference. We're all humanity. We're all humans. We're made in his image and likeness. And he, I believe that he's telling the church in this time, will you awaken to this truth? Stop building walls of division. Stop seeing people different because of, you know, race or color or life choices. Accept people where they are and let spirit work through their life. And I'm not saying you have to agree with everyone. I was watching this interview the other day. I think it was called, um, I think it's Actors Roundtable or something. And it had all these people talking. It was uh, Robert De Niro, Jamie Foxx, Shia LaBeouf. Adam Sandler, uh, Tom Hanks, and Adam Driver, I think. Adam Driver, isn't he a Star Wars guy? Who's he play? That's how much I'm into Star Wars, but Kylo Ren. And so they're all talking. And I, you know, I don't know. I just, my wife sometimes is like, oh my gosh, you just think everything's spiritual and you see kingdom and everything. I mean, we were out watching this movie. Will Smith has an animated movie out called Spies in Disguise. And I'm just weeping. It's like, what is going on? I'm like, look, at, there's kingdom in that. I mean, they were, the message is amazing in there. 
I mean, you have one guy, you have Will Smith, who is a secret agent, and he's all about when enemy comes at you and he pushes at you, you push back harder. And there's a scientist dude that they call weird and all this, but he was building, instead of bombs to blow people up, he was building these, the spoiler alert, he was, he was building these bombs, and out of the bombs would like, would be like glitter and cats. And you laugh, but he said, but science has proven when we see glitter in cats, it's like, and he was in this room of these terrorists and he goes, and they were like, oh, it incapacitated them without killing them. I thought, oh my gosh, the message in this movie is like kingdom, right? But I'm like that. I see those things and I'm watching this interview and probably weeping again. That's what I do. Um, but, but I'm watching this and I'm, and I'm hearing them talk about, Jamie Foxx was talking about this situation where he was invited uh, to, I'm trying to think of where he was invited to. It was, um, he had to perform. How many have heard him perform? Like he's a funny dude, right? But the guy can play and he can sing. He's really talented. And so he, oh, he was invited by Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys to uh, perform. And so you have, you know, George W. Bush and you have all these people. He referred to him as, you know, the, uh, the old school dudes, you know, you know, we know the old, good old boys. And so the son of Jerry Jones says, man, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm just going to do what I do. I'm from Texas. Right. So he starts out singing some George Strait. By the end, they're all singing gold digger and stuff. It's like he brought people together. But he says, you know, I went up to the president George Bush and I said, hey, sir, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. He says, and I don't, I mean, this isn't verbatim, but basically he says, if you had the opportunity to say anything or, 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 say, or speak out against Obama or speak out in a way that made him look bad, would you? And he said, absolutely not. He says, I've been in that position. I know how hard that job is. And I would never do that. I would support him. And Jamie's like, wow. And then he brought up the situation where Ellen... Uh, was hanging out at a Cowboys game with George W. Bush. And a lot of people got mad at her because they're like, well, listen, you guys don't agree on the issues. And you're sitting there and you're laughing and you're in. And I love her speech. It was beautiful. She says, listen, I don't have to agree with someone to have friendship with them. Are you feeling this? Sometimes I just think like those who don't even profess to follow Jesus like get it more than the church does sometimes. You don't have to accept someone's political view. And I like one thing Jamie Foxx said. He goes, there's one thing, there's two, there's two different things here. You're talking policy, but you're also talking humanity. And we somehow mix those up. And we see that person as only the policy. But that person could be a mother, a father, a sister, a brother. I mean, they, I mean, there's, I mean when you start to break down those walls of division over politics, you start to go, wait a minute. These are real people. And maybe they're Democrat or Republican or independent or don't vote because of what they've gone through in life, their experiences, what they've experienced on their side. And let me say this. I say it often, but God's not Democrat and he's not Republican. He's very, very independent. It's called the kingdom of God. He, he has a whole different way of thinking. And I, I've seen some policies and views in the Republican Party that I like and some I don't. I've seen some policies and some views in the Democratic Party that I like and that I don't. Because guess what? Human beings are involved. And whenever human beings get power, enough said. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not a political guy. In fact, I just kind of, I've removed myself from that. Right now I'm in a kingdom phase. I really don't care 
right? Like I care. What I care is about social injustice and when people are being mistreated. That's the most important thing to me. But picking parties, not going to do it. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Follow Holy Spirit. What does Holy Spirit say? Does that make sense? So I think about this tetherball. It's being hit. And so when we're hitting life, what happens? We get closer and closer to our purpose. Maybe I'm actually going the right direction. Because you ever had something happen that doesn't feel right? It's not going along the lines of what you think. And you're like, I must be doing something wrong. Well, maybe you're doing something right. Maybe you're doing something right. And so the cares of the world and these different ideas that aren't popular might come against you, but maybe you're getting closer to your purpose. See, many times we can avoid rejection when we choose popularity over purpose. Sometimes rejection comes when we choose to go a certain way in life because of the purpose that God has given us. When we do choose purpose over popularity, I believe that there are three powerful truths that happen in our lives because we're living with purpose. And so I just want to run through three things here, and then we're going to come to a point at the end of something new we're doing. If you have any questions, we're going to have a little Q&R. If you have a question or a response, I might have an answer. I might just have a response for you, but I, I want to make this something that's a group thing. Number one, say number one. Purpose diminishes distractions. Purpose diminishes distractions. Now, how many have heard of Nehemiah? Nehemiah, he was in the Old Testament. He was actually the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. Say that three times fast, right? Now, Artaxerxes ruled what was called the First Persian Empire, which was actually an ancient Iranian empire based in Western Asia, and it was founded by Cyrus the Great. And so Nehemiah, he's serving this king, and he goes to the king, and he says, there's a remnant of my Jewish people back in Jerusalem. Is there any way that I can go back and rebuild Jerusalem? Well, the king actually agrees with him. So he goes back to Jerusalem, and as he's building, there's these other nations around him that don't like what's going on. And so they decide, you know what, we're going to send some messages to him, even some lies, and tell him some lies to discourage or distract him. And so this happens two and three and four and five times. But listen to this. This is his response when a messenger comes and gives him this messages. This message in Nehemiah 6.3. He says, so I replied by sending this message to them. Listen to this. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Now think about this. He was so tethered to his purpose that he didn't allow distractions to take him off task or to lose focus. I mean, because this was a big deal. The enemies did not like what was going on. Now, have you ever thought about that in your own life? When you face these distractions in life, have you ever thought about, I was thinking about this this morning, have you ever, when you came to this point where distractions started to come in, when you were trying to pursue purpose, where you actually said out loud, I am engaged in a great work and I can't be distracted right now. I think for some of us that's hard because we think about ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty hard on myself. I mean, I see myself in the mirror, and they just took these pictures the other day for, uh, I'm on the, the board of uh, the Chamber of Commerce uh, Board of Directors, and so they're like getting new pictures for the year, and they're putting them all together, and so they get like six photos, and she sends them out, and she goes, you know, just pick your favorite one, and I didn't have any favorites. I didn't. I'm like, looking at these pictures going, man, I'm sitting next to my wife, I'm like, these suck. She's like, she's like what are you talking about? You're so handsome. I'm like, no. She goes, I just told you you're handsome. I'm like, yes, ma'am, but... No, I just was like, man, but look at that. And I'm, I'm just going through all the things that I don't like about myself. And she goes, stop it. 
That's how you see yourself. But I don't see you that way. Others don't see you that way. Now, it didn't change my mind. I still didn't like any of the pictures. But see, we see ourselves in the mirror. We, you know, we know every pimple we get. We know every issue we have. We, we know whenever we slip up at the tongue or our thoughts go the wrong direction. And so you know, for someone to say that you are made in the image and likeness of God and you hold his goodness and qualities inside you and you're built for good things, we go, I don't know. I don't know about today. But maybe we need to get to a point when things come our way and we're striving toward that purpose where we say, I am engaged in great work right now and I can't be distracted. That's what Nehemiah did. You see, a lot of us, we, we don't see our purpose. We don't see our passions as great. But listen to me, your purpose, your passions in life, they are God-ordained for your life. They matter. Let me say this, you matter. This isn't Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, we're all good. I'm, I'm telling you, this is how God sees you. You matter. By the way, I love Fred Rogers. He rocked, didn't he? He got this, didn't he? When he looked through that screen, uh-oh, getting emotional right now. When he looked through that screen, even at me as a little child, and say, you have purpose, you have goodness in you, it meant something. I mean, how many children were reached by that message? And here's a man who's an ordained minister sharing the love and the grace of God, living kingdom, and never had to say God once. Because God lived out of him. See, sometimes we think, I gotta have a scripture and verse to back this up. Some people don't care about your scripture and verse. But do you love me, is what they're asking. See, I believe we can inspire people to a greater sense of purpose in their life because the greater one lives on the inside of us. And so it's about pursuing relationship with people, even if you don't agree with everything. It's okay. Say it's okay. So number one, what is it? Purpose diminishes distractions. Number two, purpose pushes us through pain. Purpose pushes us through pain. Probably the most simple form of a story or analogy for this would be working out, which I haven't done in about four years. You probably can't tell. But you know, when you work out, I mean, there's pain involved, right? Now, usually when I get back into it, I'm like, yeah, this is it, we're doing this, yeah, you know? And then I lift, try to lift what I used to, and it's like, you're an idiot, because now you're incapacitated for like a week. It's like, what's going on, right? But usually when you work out, day one, if you're sore day one, hang it up. But day one, you're sore. Day two, you're a little more sore. How many know about the infamous day three? Anyone that works out, we know. Day three is like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it could get any worse, right? But see, if you have purpose, you push through that pain. Some people give up. They're like, man, this stuff is ridiculous. I had one guy, I was like, you know, we talk all the time. Hang on, I was like, what's up? And I'm like, oh, I'm sore. And he goes, man, you are always sore. You know what you convinced me to do? Never work out. <laughs> I'm like... That wasn't my intention. He's like, I like not being sore all the time and I love eating food. I'm like, more power to you. He's dead now, but no, I'm just kidding. He's not. He's not, I'm just kidding. But purpose pushes us through the pain. Listen to me. Let's get serious for a minute. This is church, it's holy. But I do believe this. We tend to push through pain and we have a true sense of purpose for something. I love these words of Jesus in John. How many women here have had babies? Right? I feel you. Like, I was right there with you. My wife's like, no, you weren't. 
But Jesus said this, he said, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, look at this, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Isn't it true? My wife had the babies. I'm like, see, babe, you're okay now. Stop complaining. (laughs) Yeah, I was almost divorced that day, but... But, but think about it, you know, once you have the baby, sure, ladies, I mean, you go through it, being serious, it's, it's tough, I mean, and you, you have to heal up, and there's some things that may happen, but when you see that baby, there's such a joy. I believe it's the same thing, when we press through, because we have a purpose, that purpose, what does it do? It pushes us through the pain, because when we go the route of purpose, and not always with popularity, it might get hurt, like that tetherball, Right? It might hurt. You might be getting slammed. You might be getting hit a little bit. But always think of this. You're growing closer and closer to your purpose. And purpose pushes us through the pain. Sometimes it's painful just choosing purpose over popularity. Because choosing popularity is easier. And sometimes it allows us to avoid the pain. And what I found is sometimes we need to. You know, a lot of times we're in a culture we want to avoid pain. Right? And I'm not saying we should like, yeah, I love pain. Lord, bring me more. Lord, Lord. No. But sometimes you want to avoid pain. And I found that sometimes the most painful points in my life were the best learning experiences for me. But I realized it wasn't God putting me through that. It could have been my own decisions. It could have been the decisions of others. But the thing is, I learned sometimes the most valuable lessons when I pushed through the pain. And what helped me push through the pain was when I was tethered to my purpose. Does that make sense? So purpose diminishes distractions. Purpose pushes us through the pain. Number three, and my time is way gone, purpose connects us to our passions. Purpose connects us to our passions. I believe that purpose connects us to the God-given, God-initiated passions that lead to fulfillment when we pursue them. There's something fulfilling you know, at first it seems a little bit tantalizing on the other side when you, you know, pursue something that's popular because it hurts a little bit to go the other way. But I'm telling you, there's such fulfillment when you're, when you're serving and when you're doing your purpose. Doing what we're designed for is where we experience true fulfillment. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. Man, I love that statement. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us Long ago. Now look at this in the Passion Translation. We have become his poetry. Think about that. We become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Look at this. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. I love what Paul says here. Because he's saying that God has destined us for good works. It's like God saying, I see the potential. I see the goodness in you to bring awesomeness to this world. But you just need to awaken to it. You don't see it yet, so awaken to that. Isn't that cool? And get this, another way to know if you're walking in your purpose is, are there good works involved? Look at what you're doing, what you're pursuing. Are there good works involved? It's a really good question to ask because some people, as they pursue life and they pursue success, they leave a path of hurt, bitterness, and betrayal. They look back, it's just carnage. Have you ever met those type of people? They'll step on anyone to get to where they got to go. So are there good works involved 
when you're pursuing this purpose? Is it benefiting others? Is it bringing benefit to others? That's where true fulfillment comes in. So the three things are this. Purpose diminishes distractions. Purpose pushes us through pain. Purpose connects us to our passions. Say this with me. I choose purpose over popularity. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.